Wow. God is so good. Turn in your Bibles to Philippians 3. Philippians 3. And perhaps there would be some people in this room that think that um, I don't know any other scripture. Because <laughs> I tell you what, this, this scripture is just such a life verse for me. Um, and uh, yeah, and, and it's a, a continuing, ongoing revelation of, of what I um, experience from this, this verse. Um, and, and so I want to read from, it's not a verse, it's actually a passage from Philippians 3, 7 to 14. I'll need my Holy Bible for this. <coughs> Verses 7 through to 14 of Philippians chapter 3. But what things were gained to me, these I have counted loss for Christ. But indeed I also count all things lost for the excellence of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish that I may gain Christ. And be found in him, not having my own righteousness, which is from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness which is from God by faith. You know, we were singing um, about the cornerstone, Christ being the cornerstone. You know, it, it's, it's the corner, when we align, the cornerstone is, a, is a, in, an alignment. It keeps us aligned, and, and so, you know, when we have faith in Christ, it keeps us aligned um, doctrinally, theologically, um, relationally, um, ministerially, if that's a word. Um, and, and so it's, it's like this, this stone that is an anchor. It's a stone which we can build on and, and build from. And, um, and so, you know, we don't have our own righteousness. It's through faith in Christ that we have our righteousness. And so from that cornerstone of faith in Christ and our righteousness not being of our own, but that from Christ, we stand in a, in a very solid place. We stand in a, in a confident place. Um, <clears throat> And, and so, reading, picking up from verse 10, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being conformed to his death, if by any means I may attain to the resurrection from the dead. Not that I have already attained or am already perfected, but I press on that I may lay hold of that for which Christ Jesus has also laid hold of me. Brothers, I do not count myself to have apprehended, but one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead, I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Let's pray. Father, I pray that this morning that the, the words that I would speak would bring life, would bring alignment, 
would bring freedom to people in this place this morning. God, that as we align ourselves with that cornerstone of Jesus Christ, God, that we can build confidently, that we can stand confidently and strong. And having done all to stand, stand therefore. In Jesus' name, amen. So the the title of my message this morning is simply laying hold of that for which Christ Jesus also laid hold of me. And you know, you as we look at history, um, it's 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 one of the tragedies of generation after generation of where people don't lay hold of the potential that they have. If you ask people what they would um, define as a successful life, a lot of the things that you would hear would be that there's a sense of security, sufficient amount of fun and pleasure, adequate comfort, happy. Everyone wants to be happy. But most people don't see that deeper purpose of their lives. I want to encourage you today. You have an incredible purpose. And when you, when you think about the fact that you are here in this generation, in this time now, you can actually be amazed that God has chosen, because the Bible says that he knew you before you were born, He's actually chosen you to be on this planet at this time. So what are you going to do with it? What are you going to do with that opportunity? I believe it, it, you know, when we engage with the love of God, I believe it, it, it demands a response. Now, one of the greatest things that God has given to us is that gift of free will. We can either accept or reject what God is giving to us. My prayer is that you would accept. Accept the mission that God has given to you. Accept the the, the challenges that God is enabling you to walk through. And so, you know, when I, I always say at Set Free Care, if you if you want to Make your life count. Get a cause that is bigger than you. Because when you begin to get a cause that is bigger than you, all of a sudden your world has got extremely larger. When we live for ourselves, it's a small world. It's a small, small world. So as a result, most people tend to live shallow, self-focused lives and never live to their full potential or to their, to the, 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 the potential of their calling. And so what that, is, what that means is that one of the wealthiest places in our society is the cemetery. 
of where so many unrealized dreams and and unrealized potential lies in a grave and it wasn't passed on to the next generation. I really want to leave a legacy. And it's not a legacy to my name, it's a legacy for the glory of Jesus Christ. I want to attain to everything that God is giving me to do. And I tell you what, when when I look at what is happening, um, even this year, I just get excited. God is up to something. He's up to something for me. He's up to something for you. My prayer is is that you would step towards it. How does a person lay hold of his destiny and find the determination and faith to fulfill that destiny? Well, according to Philippians 3.12, I believe our answer is found there. Laying hold of that for which Christ Jesus also laid hold of me. Laying hold of that for which Christ Jesus also laid hold of you. He paid an incredible price for you and me. So from this text, this passage, I've found three keys of which I believe unlock purpose and destiny, not only for my life, but also for your life. And these three keys relate to the present, now, the past, and the future. The first key is experiencing the thrill, if I can can put it that way, the thrill of existing now, today, this very hour. Yeah, we've just had an incredible time of worship. I was thrilled as I just stood there and and worshipped God, not because the band was good, not because we're in air-conditioned comfort, but just to stand in awe and amazement because of how good God is, how great He is. The thrill of existing in the present. I've developed an attitude over probably the last two to three years of which has really helped me. Um, And that attitude is, you can't be in this skin and not be happy. Now you might say, gee, that's a bit, um, you're a bit up yourself now. (laughs) Not at all. Not at all. I actually, I'm coming into the revelation and realization who God has made me. And so from that perspective, and I, I believe it's, it's even getting um, contagious to a point of contagiousness where you hang around me and you can't help but ha- be happy in your skin because of me being happy in my skin. Awesome. High five, Kennedy. 
And so when you, when you look at the present, I believe it's important that, you know, when I, when I read the Bible, you get to these genealogies. Who skips them? Sometimes. Sometimes. He begat that and she begat that and he, he. Um, and I probably still do. I still just breeze through it. But the Lord challenged me one day as I was just breezing through it because I didn't think it was important. But God showed me that they're actually there for a purpose. They're there to declare the importance of every generation that they stand for. Those, those incredible people that have been named in Scripture, in those genealogy lines, towards Jesus. It's an important generation. And so they remind me that I owe my existence today to everyone of those who have gone before. You know, we've just celebrated Anzac Day. What an incredible day where we honour those who have fought for the peace and freedom of this country. They fought so we could stand in the present being thrilled at the opportunity that we exist to live for, for a cause, for this nation. The thrill of my existence comes when I consider the number of events that took place to get me to where I am today. I mean, you, you think about this. What if, what if my parents, if my dad didn't meet my mum? Total different set of circumstances. What if I didn't meet Edith? Or I chose someone else? Totally different set of circumstances. So from that perspective, can you see the importance of what it means for you to be sitting here in the present now. So important. The fact that I'm here now with my wife, my kids, my grandson, with you guys, sitting here in this church gives me a sense of wonder and incredible godly fear and respect for who God is and for the, for the role that he has given to each one of us to partner together to advance the kingdom of God. God brought me into existence in this generation for a reason. We heard Ben talk a couple of weeks ago on Esther. And you know, the, 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 the verse that Esther is so commonly renowned for is that it's for such a time as this, Esther. And Ben brought 
a, a different approach, but I want to pick up on that for such a time as this. We all need to realise that we've been brought into the world for such a time as this. For such a time as our existence for this day. To live in the thrill of the present today. It was his will that we be alive in this present generation. The book of Ruth also. You know, a, a, a period in time of where Ruth responds. Ruth actually leaves her fellow countrymen and her country. Clings to the God of Israel and, and clings to the people of Israel. If she hadn't chosen that, she wouldn't have met Boaz. And if she didn't meet Boaz, she wouldn't have been in the genealogy of the ancestor, ancestry line of Jesus. How, how amazing is it that God pulls these, these things into, into play? Like Ruth and Esther, each one of us have a reason for being here in our generation. And you know what? It's, it's not whether we fill a major role or a minor role. It's the fact that we're here. It's, it's a fact that we're embracing this time for us, for God. The point is that we have a role to play whether it be small or great, each one of us have a purpose. Just as each part of our body has a purpose. You chop off your little finger. No. You might not think you use that little finger much. You do. Your big toe. I've actually heard that those who lose their big toe have to learn to walk again because it's such an integral part of our balance. The simple fact that we are here now in this generation should be all the proof we need to convince us that God truly does have a plan for each one of us. Hebrews 12, verses 1 to 3, talks about being, us being surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses. You know, they, they fulfilled their role. And now they cheer us on. What an awesome thought. So laying hold of this truth of living in the thrill of today. 
is the first key. The second key, I believe, is just as important and it's progressive. Overcoming the failures and the hurts of our past. Philippians 3.13 Sorry? We need to overcome the failures and hurts of our past and the crippling influence that they bring to us. And you know what? This can be really difficult. I spoke this week at um, Set Free Care on failing successfully. And you know, for, for so many of us, when we, when we make a mess, when we fail, often we don't fail well. We fail and we hang on to the resentment, the regret. There's a better way to fail. Um, Phil Pringle, I think he, he called it failing forward. So that when you fail, you actually fail forward. You fail successfully. It's a, it's a, it's a weird concept. But part of, part of success, I believe, is failing. You look at any successful business entrepreneur, they've probably gone bankrupt at least once. Yet they dust themselves off, pick themselves up, and away they go again. They understand that failing can often be part of success. If you never fail, you haven't really taken a risk. The word risk means to place something valued in a position or situation where it can be damaged, lost, or exposed to danger. Oftentimes, in order to step into greater levels of success, we must be willing to take risks and even make mistakes. Risk is one of the main catalysts to a successful lifestyle. So how do we cultivate that risk? If we want to encourage others into living successfully, we need to develop a culture where trying and failing is viewed as part of success. You know, I don't think there would be anyone in this room that hasn't tried something and failed at it. I mean, how did you get to walk? It was through the failures that you actually got successful. Failure is more than likely a very depressing event. If you look at it from the perspective of of it not being a, a, a pathway to success. But if you look at it from a pathway to success, it's just part of the journey. And we pick ourselves up, we learn from it, and away we go again. 
When our goals, hopes and dreams don't materialise, we can feel ashamed, inadequate or humiliated. You know what? It's normal to feel that when you fail. But I don't believe it's normal to stay there. God has created us with a sense of of endurance and perseverance to actually get up. We used to sing a song at Set Free. I get knocked down, but I get up again. It was was part of our worship. But it instilled something into our people. It instilled a tenacity to not give up, to continue to press on. That's another song we used to do. Because I'm pressing on. Many of the great achievements in history were accomplished by people who failed many times before they succeeded. Abraham Lincoln had many defeats before he became president. Thomas Edison, I think he failed at the light bulb 900 and something times before he actually... That's that's tenacity. That is real tenacity. (laughs) D.L. Moody, he's recognized as one of the great preachers in history. Yet a friend told him he would best serve the Lord by keeping quiet. Moses' initial efforts to deliver the Israelites from Egypt sent him into exile for 40 years because he failed at something. Later, he returned to Egypt with the power of God. Peter, he boasted, God, I'll I'll never deny you. Yet he denied knowing Jesus three times. Yet Peter picked himself up and preached when the Holy Spirit fell at Pentecost and 3,000 people gave their lives to Christ and baptized as a result. I want to encourage you today. Failure and hurt can be overcome. I'm walking testimony of it. As no doubt there's many more in here that are walking testimonies that failure and hurt can be overcome. The solution rests in simple things like admitting when we're wrong. That's a tough pill to swallow sometimes. But it's, it's one of the greatest things that will actually propel us forward is if we can admit when we're wrong, if we can recognize those errors, make adjustment, repent, change our mind, get back on track, we'll get there. Accepting God's forgiveness, trusting God's call for your life, and good old-fashioned perseverance. Regardless of the mess, God forgives us if we acknowledge our error and repent. And that accepting forgiveness, which Jesus did once for all time, 
sets us free from the baggage of our past if we will receive that forgiveness. That's the challenge. Now often at Set Free Care I'll, I'll get up and talk about forgiveness and people will come up to me afterwards and say, Mal, I can't forget. I didn't say about forgetting. I just said you've got to forgive. But as, as soon as you say that, people get this cliched line in there that we've got to forgive and forget. The truth of the matter is you probably will not be able to forget about that thing that has been so painful for you. But what you can do as you continue to relinquish that judgment and that guilt that you hold for them for what they have done to you, when you purposefully forgive someone, what it does is it begins to remove the sting every time that you think of that incident. And so, you know, we've got to reinforce it because we'll, we'll have memories, we'll, we'll think about those things and, and the pain will begin to want to rise. But if we're purposefully forgiving, we can say, uh-uh, I choose to forgive. I have forgiven that person. And what that does is it stops them from paying rent in your head on an ongoing basis. And I tell you what, when we... If we carry around a, a, a burden of unforgiveness, it'll actually stop us from stepping into God's destiny for our life. That's how important it is. So I want to encourage you, you know, if you've if you've got stuff that you're that continues to raise its its head and, and awareness in your life. What's that famous song? Frozen? Let it go? Sing it. And the final step or the final key that I want to encourage us towards is Because of the stuff that has happened to us, often what it does is it it places a filter over us and in us for the future. And so what we do is we have a sense of low expectation for what the future holds. And I want to encourage us to break the chains of low expectation. Begin to engage in, in, in faith and trust again. I, un I understand that hurt is hurtful. But one of the things that God has shown me over and over again is that if I will let go of that hurt, I actually open the door for fresh expectation and for fresh revelation and for fresh experience. As long as we hold on to the past, to the pain, you will not step in to that new expectation. 
So <clears throat> the picture I got when I was thinking about this was, you know how they chain elephants to a stake? They do it while the elephant is young. So it, it trains itself via the chain. And this, this monstrous animal, which could so easily rip that stake out of the, the ground, doesn't because it's just reinforced in his head over and over again that he cannot break the chain or that he cannot break free. And that's so like life experience. When we go through these, these challenges, these, these disappointments, it begins to train us that all people are the same. No, they're not. You know, I love that, I love that scripture in, in 2 Corinthians 5, 16 and 17, where it tells us to no longer regard people according to the flesh. Because we're new creations. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things are new. And so the challenge is, is that we need to begin to identify with people from that, that new creation transformation. And not hold them to the old aspects of the flesh. Know them through Christ. And, and this, this helped me so much when I was started doing set free care. I started doing set free care with a, an obligation to get through Bible college. It was part of my practical outworking of Bible college. And um, I stepped into it and, yeah, and immediately I had a platform. But that platform exposed the biggest hypocritical nature that was in me. Because I would get up there and I would preach the love of God and, and how they should give their lives to Christ. And yet, I didn't like any of them. They intimidated me. They smelt. I used to think of them as freeloaders, just coming along for the free feed. And the, the, the challenge of that got to me because, you know, when you, when you walk in a hypocritical manner, you, you, just, you just get really sick of yourself. You're a very difficult person to live with. And it actually drove me to my knees to the point of where I said, God, I can't do this anymore. I can't continue to be hypocritical, get up and preach, and then just detest these people. And God showed me a way of how to get through that. And it was so simple. All I had to do was begin to see them how Jesus sees them. So simple. And when you begin to look at people in the, in the heart that God has for people, you can't be critical of them. You can't be judgmental of them. 
because there's a love that God has for those people. And that love, if we love God, should compel us to love everyone. It should motivate us to to actually embrace them, to bring freedom to them. And I can confidently say that I've, I've been on this incredible journey because of Set Free Care, of where God gives me this incredible love for people. And you know what? I've, I've, been, I've had stuff kicked in my face many a time from people who I've tried to help. I've actually sunk incredible energy and time into people. And they've thrown it back in my face. But you know what? If you, if you truly believe what is in this book, that's God's problem. It's not mine. And I've seen transformation come so many times because I have not allowed that root of bitterness just because they didn't take my advice. I've been able to continue to love them and embrace them. And I see incredible transformation in people's lives. The greatest weapon to break the chains of low expectations is to actually spend time in the presence of God. Hearing, seeing how he hears, seeing how he looks. Not what others may say. Because it's, it's so easy to, to go along with the flow of, of criticism from other people. So easy. I believe that this time that we are in now is a season of incredible breakthroughs. I have this incredible sense in the spirit that you know, since we've launched this church, there's been, there's been so much um, opposition spiritually against the leadership and, and, and against where we feel that God wants to take us. But I believe that we are on the cusp of a breakthrough. And realistically, I've probably been saying that since 2013. I feel like we're on the edge, on the edge, the cusp of a breakthrough. But to resign myself to, ah, oh, it's not happening, that's not going to help. But to have that solid perseverance and, and endurance that, yes, this is, this, we're going to break through. We're going to break through as a people. We're going to break through as a church. We're going to break through as a, in a kingdom mandate to advance the kingdom of God on earth as it is in heaven. And that will come. If we don't give up, we shouldn't limit ourselves to people's low expectations of us. Break the chains and prove the grace and love of God who is for us, not against us.
That's how we prove God. Through the makeup of our character, the, 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 the forming of our character. We can have all the information in the world, but if there's no formation in your life, what's the use? So there's got to be a form, a formation in our lives. And here's a thought that I want to finish with. I have an incredible sense and I've, I've heard preachers talk about this, especially those who advocate leadership training and so forth. Our ceiling, my ceiling is the next generation's floor. The past belongs to the people in the past. It's, it's gone, it's finished. Yet the legacy remains of those who left a legacy. I, I strongly believe that my floor was my parents' ceiling. And so my hope and my joy is that my ceiling is my children's floor. The next, the next generation doesn't have to go through what we've been through to attain to the freedom that we've fought for. They can actually launch off our battles. The present belongs to us. And so that, that for me um, releases an incredible responsibility of what I'm going to do with my time, my resource in this present time. What we do in the present actually has eternal consequences. Think on that for a bit. When we break those chains of low expectation, we can actually step into incredible realms of freedom. Are you prepared to count the cost and lay hold and make the most from this point on? And I leave you with that. Did you want to? Um, this morning, as I was praying, I read, I read Malcolm's notes this morning, and um, and two words came, came to my mind that I believe God wants to really minister to people this morning is regret and worry. Regret belongs to the past. It's past mistakes. It's past decisions that we made. You know what? You can't change that. That's finished. So regret actually will 
will steal from you today. I mean, we've made some stupid decisions, Mark and I. We've made some big mistakes in the past. But we can't beat ourselves up about it and live in regret in, in the disappointment and, um, and, and the sense of failure, as Malcolm was saying. So regret is actually, regret will steal from you. And, the, and worry is about the future. What if, what if, what if we worry about, you know, Jesus said, don't worry about tomorrow. He said, we've got to live today. And so, you know, we, we get so caught up in the worrying of what will happen and what might happen. You know, the statistics show that 80% of the things we worry about never, ever happen. 80%. You know, and I, I have to be honest, I have to put my hand up for worrying. I do worry sometimes, but I'm trying not to. And so I just believe that God really wants to minister today for anyone that, that feels to have regrets about what they've done in the past and also about those who worry about tomorrow and what, what might happen in the future. So let's just stand together, will we? <clears throat> Yeah, if you want, you can put your hand on your heart or on your head. And, um, and I'm, I'm just gonna pray. Thanks for that word, Mel. It's, um, that was absolutely awesome. Um, Father, I just wanna thank you that, um, you have made us for today, for this time, Lord God, each and every one of us. And today really matters how we live, each day matters to you, God. So I pray that you would help each and every one of us, Lord, to live in the now, to live in the moment, to enjoy you, Lord, to enjoy what we're doing, Lord God, and to, um, and to, to really know, Lord God, that every day we find our purpose in you and what you have called us to do, God. Father, I pray against everyone, Lord God, that still has, that struggles with regret what could have been, what should have been. Lord, I just pray, Lord God, that you would just remove every sense of regret from those, Lord God, who feel that they have failed, that they have made mistakes beyond repair. Lord, you are the God who turns everything for good. Lord, everything, Lord God, you make good if, according to those who love you and are called according to your purpose, Lord. So I just release that, Lord God. I release that burden. I release that regret of people today in Jesus' name. And Jesus, the worrying. Lord God, you say, don't worry about tomorrow. Don't worry about a thing. We don't have to worry. We don't have to fear. Because you are in control. And your word says that you lead us step by step. You order our steps, God. So Father, I just thank you that we can put our confidence and trust in you that you know you know our tomorrow before it even happens, Lord. So I, we just, I just release, Lord God, the worrying heart, the worrying mind, Lord God, today in Jesus' name. Let your peace come, Lord God. Let confidence come, Lord God. Let us enjoy today because it is, your mercies are new every day. 
But God, every day is a new beginning. Every day is a new start for each and every one of us with a clean slate. So, Lord, I just want to thank you. Lord God, thank you that you have redeemed us, that you have set us free, that you've given us your peace, and you've given us hope, hope and faith in you, God. And I just thank you for this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Amen.